Lord, we thank you so much for today. This is the day that you have made, and Lord, we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, right now we just pray for the anointing. We pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit, Lord, just to settle on each and every heart, Lord, as we worship you. May you receive glory and honor and praise and majesty in Jesus' name. Let's worship together, church. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Amen. What a week. Amen. (laughs) He has been so good to us, and he continues to be good to us. Amen. Hallelujah.
Every step I take, I'm taking you. You are mine, Jesus. Every breath I take, I breathe in you. Waves of mercy. Waves of mercy. step we take, Lord. Every breath we take, Lord. You are with us, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, he's so good. I love that. I love the fact that it doesn't matter where you're at. He is with us in every step. He directs our steps. It says in Psalms that he directs our steps. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We just want to praise you, Lord, this morning for who you are and what you've done in our lives, Lord, how you've rescued us, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I will worship. I will worship. All of my heart. With all of my heart. And I will praise you. I will give you all my praise. 
Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. These words were spoken by Jesus shortly before he was about to give his life for you and I for our salvation. And there he makes an incredible statement and tells us to be of good cheer. That word for good cheer could also be to take courage. And he knew what he was getting ready to face, but notice what he says at the end of that verse. 
but I have overcome this world. He didn't say, I will overcome after the cross. No, he already had that faith, that mindset. He knew he had determined to do the will of his father. And in spite of the cross that was facing him, he says, take courage, be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. He wants to deposit that same faith in your heart and my heart. We will have troubles in this world. We have tribulations and trials and things that we go through, some things that we don't want to face. But God wants us to face those with the same faith, the same love, the same courage, the same cheer that Jesus had, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured that cross. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Lord, that you deposit faith and hope and courage and love and your joy and your peace into the hearts of your people. Lord, we thank you for the comfort that you gave to us, Lord, that you told us, Lord, we're going to have tribulations and troubles. Lord, to be of good cheer, you have already overcome this world. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that whatsoever is born of God overcomes this world. And Lord, for every individual here, Lord, that is born again by the Spirit of God, Lord, I pray for joy. Lord, I pray for courage. Lord, I pray that you would lighten their countenance, Lord, that they would walk steadfast in your hope, in your faith, in your victory. Lord, we bring to you all the requests that are present. Lord, there's many needs, Lord, that are just unspoken needs, Lord, that are weighing on the hearts of people. I pray, Lord, right now for Margot Short. Lord, she had a little setback yesterday, and we just pray, Lord, heal her, strengthen her. Thank you for bringing her home, though. But, Lord, we pray that you would touch Margot by the grace of God. Lord, right now we pray for uh, the Shoemate family. We ask, God, that you would continue to pour out your grace, your spirit upon them. Lord, we pray for comfort for Floyd especially, Lord, that you would just pour out the love of God in an increasing measure in Jesus' name. Lord, for all of our church family, those who are not able to be here right now, we pray that they would sense the mighty presence of God in their homes and that they would know that you've not left them, forsaken them, but Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You never change. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for your good grace that's brought us to this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. And it's good to be together here in the house of the Lord and just want to welcome you here. Good to see lots of smiling faces, and good to see you, Shirley, and good to see you, Maggie, and good to see you, Jim and Andy, and different ones. And if I didn't mention your name, it's good to see you in Jesus' name. Uh, just a few announcements. It is Leroy Shoemate's birthday. Happy birthday, Leroy. Woohoo! He's like, who, me? Yeah, you. Happy birthday, Leroy. We love you. And uh, God bless you. We have a missionary here today, Jonathan Winters. Uh, he uh, was here, goodness, back in 2004 or five, way back before even some of his kids were born. Been a missionary to Indonesia for 17 years. We have another missionary coming next Sunday as well. Uh, we've had a habit here for many years on, on the month of October for the first couple Sundays we have missionaries come. But we're excited to have him come here in just a few moments to share what God has been doing over there. Also, be aware that we will be, as always, receiving our love offering at the very end of the back. I would like to say that if you would like to pray about considering supporting missionaries on a monthly basis, we do take uh, pledges. Uh, we'll even do it today if you would like to say, you know, I'd like to give X amount of dollars each month to help support the work of missions around this world. You know, as you do deposit and you plant what is your treasure and you plant it in the ground, so to say, your heart goes with that and your prayers go with that. And as you are 
how do I say this, sowing seeds, so to say, say in Indonesia or any parts of the different world, you know what? God brings back a harvest into your life. How many of you want to see God do a work in Grace Harbor? You're here on a sunshiny Sunday morning. Well, one way that we could show God is to say, well, Lord, even as we want to see a good work done in Grace Harbor, would you continue to do a good work in Indonesia and different parts of this country and all around the world in Jesus' name? Well, I'd like to welcome Jonathan Winters. If you will come and share the gospel, let's give him a warm Central Park welcome. Well, good morning. It is good to be here with you guys at Central Park again. Pastor Steve and I were talking uh, before the service and trying to think the last time we were back was, or the last time I was here was in 2015 for a, a Sunday evening when uh, you had, you hosted several of us came to come in and just share what God has been doing and gave some quick updates. And that was the last time we fundraised in the U.S., the last time we were back to give a report. So it's been about six years. And uh, it's good to be back. Things have changed a little bit, but it sounds like you guys have kept things rolling well and, and kept the country in line, right? No, the last few years have been crazy, haven't they? But I hope that you've seen the same thing happening that I have. That in the midst of chaos, in the midst of just chaos and, and, and all these weird things, we have a God that is in control of everything. And there isn't a single thing that happens in this world that he is not aware of and that he is not ready to redeem and use for his glory. So that's what I'm here to tell you about this morning. <laughs> for those of you that are meeting me for the first time this morning, my name is Jonathan Winter. Along with my wife, Mary, and our three kids, we have... Uh, spent about 18 years actually calling Indonesia our home and our focus in ministry. God has been faithful. He's done amazing things. For those of you that don't know, Indonesia is on the other side of the world. Uh, it's about 14 hours time difference. It uh, is just below the equator. It's that big uh, area of water that has 17,508 islands above Australia, south of the Asian, the Asian Peninsula. Indonesia is the fourth largest nation in the world. It is the most populous Muslim nation in the world. Now that kind of messes with a lot of people's thoughts because you're thinking Southeast Asia, rice, islands, coconuts, Islam? <laughs> well, that's the reality. Uh, Indonesia is a nation that is beautiful. It has uh, a lot of uh, islands and beaches and oceans. And the next slide, I'll just introduce my family real quick. There they are. Uh, my wife, Mary, and my daughter are at our home church this morning. They, my daughter had signed up to help with nursery. I thought they were coming with me until yesterday. So, um, but uh, our oldest, Alex, is now in college in Minnesota at uh, North Central University, one of our uh, Bible colleges, the Assembly of God Bible Colleges. Uh, our second son, Asher, is a senior in high school this year. Our daughter, Isabel, is a sophomore in high school. And I cannot believe how time flies. 
because I think it was yesterday that we were packing up the two boys who were a week older than one year and three weeks less than two years or three years onto an airplane and flying off to a place we'd never been before and yet now they're in college and and senior in high school it's amazing but God is faithful and he does amazing things anyway so that's my family um and you can just run that anytime but Indonesia is this amazing country that we've called our home we have spent our years there focused on two aspects of ministry. When people ask what we do, I say we focus on education and we focus on telling people who don't know Jesus and have never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus. We want to hear, we want to tell them the gospel. And so we've had a principle in our ministry, in our lives. I, I, I heard this years ago and God just put it as kind of a life motto and a framework for our ministry. If you want to build a church, you invest your resources in buying cement and bricks, right? But if you want to build a thousand churches, you invest your time, treasures, and, and everything you have in raising up leaders. So our focus in ministry has been to raise up leaders and church planters because God will provide the bricks and the cement and everything else that's needed to tangibly fulfill that vision but he asked us to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers I was talking a minute ago about Indonesia being a, the most populous Muslim country on earth and it is it's a place that has many different kinds of people. Across its 17,000 islands, there are over 760 different languages and dialects. Every language, every dialect represents a new culture, a new group of people with their own identity. To carry the gospel to them requires creativity. It requires the, the skills of bringing the gospel into their culture. If I came in here this morning and only spoke Indonesia, Indonesian and I said, Selamat pagi, bagaimana kabar semuanya? Saya datang untuk menjelaskan kabar baik Yesus Kristus. Atau Isa Almasi. Would you have caught anything I said? Did you catch the second one? Because it was much more contextual. That's only the first step. It's much more than language. It's much more than just simple culture. But to communicate who Christ is takes an individual. It takes a Christ follower. I'm going to kind of jump into my message a little bit quick, okay? I have to tell you, this week, so I, I, I'm going I'm to tell a little secret of missionaries we t preach a lot of the same sermons okay we're in a different place every week we can get away with it this week God told me to strip off the the the, the blinders and just really show you some things that he spoke to me personally okay so you're going to hear a lot of just Jonathan 
and a lot of my heart this morning. Some things the Lord has impressed on me that I really think he's wanting to challenge you with this morning, okay? So we raise up people to go. And the reason we do that is because even as Jesus did it 2,000 years ago, he invested his life in 12 disciples. 12 men who would transform the world. When we talk about taking the gospel to places that it's never been, Indonesia still has 276 what we call unreached people groups. Unreached people groups are communities, not just communities, but cultures, languages, very unique people groups where less than 2% of them know Jesus. Okay? Now, let me just put that into reality that in this room, we may not even have one Christ follower. You get that? That's what that looks like. That even a large group of people, you may not have anybody who's ever even heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have 52 what we call never-reached people groups. One of our focuses the last few years is one particular people group that are out on an island who received Islam 350 years ago, and it contextualized itself so much into the culture that they believe that to be their tribal culture is to be Muslim. When Muslims from, uh, like, the Middle East look at them, they say, oh, that's, that's, well, it's not pure Islam. Because it has so integrated itself into their culture that it almost can't be separated. There's never been a church there. We don't know of any Christians who have ever lived there. 180,000 people. I'm reminded of the book of Jonah when, Jesus, when, when God spoke to Jonah and said, well, wouldn't I be concerned about the city of Nineveh? <laughs> that th hundreds of thousands of people are here and no one has ever been there to tell them that I'm a loving God who gave my life for them so that they could have eternal life? What does it take? It takes you and I. Okay, I'm jumping in really quickly here. It's sounding pretty heavy, isn't it? Okay, I'm going to tell some fun stories too, okay? Uh, you know, I, I, I kind of laugh because over our years in Indonesia, I've noticed that God is careful with us. He never dumps anything on us before we're ready to take it. Um, 20 years ago when the Lord first called us to Indonesia, and Mary and I were praying about where God wanted to send us. We felt this call to missions. We were praying about all these different places. Lord, where do you want us to go? He spoke to us actually just about one people group. One people group that we didn't even know where it was. And as we began to research it and, and read about these people, it was a people group in Indonesia. 2.4 million people. 
And I went, oh, Lord. How can one couple, because we didn't have any kids back then, how can one couple have any kind of an impact on 2.4 million people? Well, the truth is we can't. There's a couple of principles that uh, uh, I kind of have learned to it that I've that I kind of say are just my life foundational points. The first one is one that you probably know really well. Matthew 28 verses 19 and 20. Do you know that one? It's called the Great Commission. I was raised in an Assembly of God church. I heard this one a lot. If you know it, you can say it with me. Jesus came to his disciples and he said, All authority in heaven and earth, on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go. I heard a lot of sermons growing up on go. <clears throat> it wasn't until years and years later, as I began to learn how to study the Bible more in depth, that I realized that the focus of that passage wasn't on go. <laughs> I heard so many sermons that said, we're supposed to go. Well, honestly, the way that verse is laid out, the going is just cause and effect. Because authority in heaven and earth, on earth has been given to him, because he is our Lord, because we are his disciples, we're just going to go. And that everywhere we go, everywhere that our feet take us, we are supposed to? No, no, no. Make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all of the commandments I have given to you. And I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Discipleship. Making disciples. And you know what's really amazing about that verse? Is that Jesus didn't tell his disciples to come up with anything new or creative. He said, go and teach them what I have already taught you. You have become my disciple. You are obeying my commandments. Teach them to do the same. That's what this process looks like. Making disciples wherever we go. Now, there's one other part of that verse that uh, I, I, I was... I was at the church that I was building when I was in high school just a few weeks ago. That was kind of crazy, Okay. So I was, at 15 years old, my family was physically building a church building in a small farming town in North Dakota. And I got to speak there about uh, six or seven, six weeks ago. And it was amazing because it was as I walked through the streets of that small little town, and I was thinking about this verse and many others in the Bible that talk about all peoples, that God just laid this heaviness on me. All peoples. Think about it. How many times in the New Testament do you see that phrase? God is not well, willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. All, every. It comes up all the time. And I got to the point where I didn't know if it was really, is this even practical? 
Matthew 24, 14. It says, And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world until every people group. Ta-ethne. All peoples. Every ethnic group will hear it. And then the end will come. Okay, we have the Great Commission, what we're called to do. Then in Matthew 24, we see that God has told us that it's going to actually come to pass. And when it does, that thing that we're looking for, his return, will happen. I hope you're expecting, and I hope you're looking for his return. I honestly think of it as being like uh, God offering me a cookie. How many of you ever had your parents say, you know, if you do your homework, or I have told your kids, if you'll do your homework, you'll get a treat. <laughs> Matthew twenty four fourteen, in my opinion, is God saying, if you do your homework, you're going to get a treat. I will return. Then in Revelation chapter 7, we see that this actually does happen. Yes, it's prophecy for us right now. But John saw the throne room of heaven when Jesus would return, and he saw people from every tribe, tongue, and language. Every tribe, tongue, and language worshiping him. So that's a little bit of my foundation theology, okay? That shapes who I am. That everywhere that my feet take me, I'm supposed to be a disciple who is making disciples. That my life is supposed to affect those around me. Now here's the real vulnerable part that I've been struggling with all week. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. Now, I think this is interesting, because if you know the book of Matthew, chapters 24 and 25, Jesus is talking about the end times. Okay? I just talked about Matthew 24, 14. Well, that was a response to Jesus' disciples' question about when he would return. And he says all kinds of things are going to happen. There's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. There's going to be famines. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be... all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Sounds like the nightly news. Um, But he says, all of those things are minor details. They're like birth pains. Birth pains are what happens before the child is born. They are a sign that that, that the child will be born. They don't mean the child is born yet, but they are prior to it happening. My wife started having... Braxton Hicks contractions, you know those, ladies? At five months. My son wasn't born for another four more months. That's what Jesus says all these other things are like. But he said the one sign that you're to watch for is when every people group, when all people hear about him, then he will return. Then he goes on in Matthew 25, and he starts talking to his people, his disciples, about them, their own selves, their own preparedness. The story of the the 
the, the, the ten bridesmaids. And then you get to this one about the parable of the three servants. I'm just going to sum up the story. You can read the whole thing later and, and correct me if I'm wrong. But the basic of the story, the Sunday school version is that there's a king. And he's going to go on a trip. And so he calls three of his stewards, and he says, I have to go on a very long trip. I'm going to be leaving, but I'm going to entrust some things to you to take care of while I'm gone. Now you see the significance of this parable, right? Jesus left. He said, go, make disciples of all people. There's some connection there, right? He says to the first steward, here, here's five talents. Here's five treasures. I put them in your hands. Or, I better check. I was reading Luke the other day, too. It's a very similar story. Yes, the first one he gave five little bags of treasure to. Take this, use it, and multiply it. To the next steward, he gives three bags. And to the last steward, he gives one. Now, we all know this story, I think or we can kind of see the outcome of what's going to happen. The king leaves, or the, the master leaves. He goes on his trip. He's gone for a very long time. The first steward, he feels capable. He is capable. He's what I call a five-star leader. <laughs> Five-talent guy. And he sets out, and he multiplies, and he works, and he uses that capital to bring increase. The next guy, not quite as talented, you know, God, or the, the, the master gave in proportion to their ability. <laughs> I think this is interesting. There's so many profound truths to this. He gives less to the second servant. Gave him two bags. And the second servant uses it brings increase, multiplies it. And then there's one more servant who says, I am scared that I might lose this. And he takes it and he does what? He buries it in the ground. He hides it away. One day the, the master returns. He says, I entrusted my wealth to you. I entrusted my my." my Resources into your hands. What have you done? First servant comes back and he says, I multiplied it. I've got 10 bags of silver for you. Well done, good and faithful servant. The second servant, I've also multiplied what you've given me. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Now we know what's coming and we don't like it at all. But the last servant, who had been given one bag, said, I have the treasure that you entrusted me with. I took good care of it. I held on to it. I protected it. But I didn't use it. As I've read this story over the years, I've been in ministry now for well over 20 years, started off yeah anyways a long time ago time flies 
But I don't know about you, but I read this story, and the focus always ends up on the five-talent guy. And I've always struggled with that because I'm not a five-talent guy. To be honest, we all know there are superstars out there, and we see them, and they, they shine. But to be honest, probably most of us in this place feel like the two-talent or even the one-talent guy. And I began to see as we actually engaged in ministry and raising people up and making disciples that most of the people that we work with are not the five-talent guys. But they're young men and women who have some gifts and God has entrusted treasures into their hands. And yet the master knows that we all have the ability to be used by him. I have a friend who, for many years, <laughs> I was kind of jealous. His ministry was where I was hoping to have ministry in Indonesia. It used to be people would say, you're called to Indonesia. That's a Muslim country. How do you feel about that? And I, I would say boldly, hey, when God put out the call for somebody to do ministry on the white sandy beaches beneath the coconut palms, I got in line first. Well, the honest truth is, is that after 18 years, I'm still waiting for the ministry below the coconut palms on the white sandy beaches. The closest we've ever lived is three and a half hours from the beach. You're closer to the beach than I am. But I had a friend whose ministry actually was there. He was right there all the time. He lived 10, 15 minutes walk <laughs> from the beach and one day after a hard day of ministry and work he just went for a swim in the ocean so he's laying out on the sand drying out after his swim and this young boy comes up to him selling beads and braided bracelets and necklaces not that strange of a thing if you've ever been in the tropics on a beach in a second or third world country People peddling things on the beach happens all the time. Well, this young, young boy, he was, I think he was 12 or 13 years old when this happened, came and began trying to sell these trinkets to my friend. And they struck up a conversation. And my friend saw something in him through the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit actually talks to us in everyday events if we'll just open up and listen to him. And so he's drying off after his swim, reclining on the beach, and he's talking to this young kid, and he sees that God has put gifts and potential in him. So he began to talk to him about business practices. 13-year-old kid. And they struck up this relationship that continued on, and they would meet week after week to talk about how he could be a better businessman. He invested time in a young kid who just came up to him out of nowhere. Fast forward a few years, and this young boy not only is learning about business, but my friend is very sly, and you know what? 
The greatest source of business wisdom and information comes from a book that we should all be reading every day. So he would relate these things and he would say, you know, this isn't my experience, but this is in the holy book. This is in the scriptures. And this young boy began to study the scriptures even more on his own. You know, even in a Muslim country, the word of God has a powerful impact. To be quite honest, I feel like most of my Muslim friends have a higher respect for the Bible than you and I do most days. Seriously. Most of them have never read a single word of it. The, the, they've been told that it's been corrupted, that the scriptures, the Christian scriptures should not be read. So we present it in a little bit more contextual form. We don't package it up in our Bibles that look like we might have contaminated it, but we present it in a more simplistic raw form, the same kind of fashion that they read the Quran in. has the Hebrew and the Greek text right there with it. Anyways, uh, but he began to study the scriptures. He came to a faith in Jesus Christ in Isa al-Masih. His family saw what was happening and saw that his faith was real and powerful and was transforming his life. And so they arranged a marriage to him with a, a, a nice local girl who would bring him back to what they believed was the true faith. He said, you know, she's a really nice girl. And um, it's his culture. He can't really fight against it. So they got married. And he continued to read and study the scriptures. But now they did it together. And he began to do it with his mother. His father had left the house many, many years before. I don't know if he passed away or, or whatever, but he was out of the picture. And so he was the man of the house, sharing the scriptures and making disciples. Fast forward a few years later, this young man has actually succeeded in business. Now, I'm not talking, you know, Bill Gates, global, you know, but... He opened up his own motorcycle repair shop. And the reason he did it is he said, you know what's amazing is that people come in and ask for motorcycle advice, and I sit down and I work with them, and they sit there and talk to me, and I get to talk to people all day about Jesus. Because you take your time, talent, and treasures, and you invest it in lives around you. That everywhere we go, we're to make disciples. That when we go to the gas station, we do like another one of my students did one day, and I'd been talking to them and challenging them that, to do this thing that we call the, the Shema, okay? It's a, it's a Hebrew root word from Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, okay? But... Uh, if you look at Luke chapter 10, Jesus actually taught his disciples this really, really amazing method of just interacting with people for the first time. And he says, when you first go and you interact with them, let them know that you follow me. I'm changing it a little bit. You can read it. It's Luke chapter 10, okay? Sends out the 72. And, and, and he says, when you get there, proclaim that God is with you. So he's at the gas pump one day. This is a student, former student of mine. And he's filling up with gas. And in Indonesia, it's kind of like Oregon. They fill it for you. 
Um, and he just says, isn't this a beautiful day? I cannot believe how God has blessed us. Pretty normal kind of conversation, right? Well, God goes before us every step that we take. And it is God who's preparing the hearts of people to come to know him. All we have to do is be the willing voice that speaks his name. And God's already working there. And an amazing thing happened. That gas station attendant looks at him and goes, I was just thinking the exact same thing. And they struck up a little bit of a God conversation while they were putting a gallon and a half into this little motorcycle gas tank. To the point where that gas station attendant said, can you meet me after I get off from work and tell me more? And my student said, well, I'm supposed to be meeting someone. I really don't have time. Ever been there? Sure, I'll wait right over there for the next 45 minutes until you get off work. When he got, got off work, the gas station attendant had also texted his family and several of his friends that had been having conversations about God. And they all came and they sat together and they began to look at the scriptures together right there at a gas station. It happens. When you and I simply be the disciples he's called us to be. We don't have to be a five-talent or five-treasure leader. We may only feel like we're the one-talent or two-talent person. But rather than just taking and hiding that treasure, 2 Corinthians, Paul said that God has entrusted his priceless treasure in us, even though our bodies, even though our lives are like fragile clay pots that break if you just kick them a little. God has done more than I could have ever imagined in the last 18 years. Within our first three years in Indonesia, three and a half years, God expanded our vision for that one people group to four. By the end of our first three and a half years, God had us co uh, uh, partnering with, coaching, training church planters that were planted in four unreached people groups in Indonesia places where there had never been churches before. After 18 years, that has continued to expand over and over. We've now, just personally, seen God work and plant partners and friends of ours, teams, in 18 people groups across the country, unreached, never had a church there. During our last few years in Indonesia, something really remarkable happened. When we first landed in Indonesia, uh, March of 2006, and through most of the years that we've been there, our local partners, the Assemblies of God of Indonesia, when we would talk about Muslim ministries, that was a not a good topic to bring up. See, Indonesia is a communal culture okay so if 
I do something, it reflects on my family as well, right? So if one part of the church does something, the entire church is responsible. In a nation where we still do have churches burned and bombed and a lot of things like that happen, it's scary for an organization to do that kind of thing. We've done it individually for many, many years, but there's always been this wide separation. A few years ago, our leadership said, no, God has placed us here. He's planted us here to reach our people for him. So we need to be careful how we do this. But we, as a fellowship, need to be raising up and reaching all these other peoples. So we've spent the last three years consulting and helping as our Indonesian fellowship has created their own Department of Missions. Specifically for going into places where there are no churches. Where they are against Christianity. And it sounds crazy, but People are ready to hear. People are hungry. And just like my student at the gas station, God has already begun to work. We've seen our house church networks grow. For the last five years before COVID, they have doubled in size every 18 months. For the last two years of COVID, we're still trying to pick up the pieces, okay? Our lives were just as crazily upset as yours. We were like in intense lockdown stuff for a long time. No travel between cities. Communication with planters and workers in these remote places was completely cut off. And yet God was doing remarkable things. And people began, continued to share what they were learning. And in two years' time, we think... The movements have tripled. <laughs> that almost makes you want to say, okay. <laughs> but the thing is, is this is God doing things, not us. Question I have for you this morning. Is do you realize... That God believes in you? Each and every one of us, He's entrusted us with gifts and talents and treasures. Each and every one of us, one day we'll stand before our Master, our King, when He returns. And each and every one of us, will be asked to give account for what we've done with what he's entrusted into our hands. Now, I don't want this to come down as heavy in condemnation or anything else. If anything, please understand this. The king of all creation, the one who spoke it all into existence, believes so much in you that he has put this into you for you to carry forward because he believes you're able 
I know a, a man that, that has 12 good teeth, and that's it. Yeah, you can imagine how a, a guy with just 12 teeth talks, okay? I call him a general because he has over a thousand house churches under him. Now, this isn't somebody I've raised up. These are people that I work with. One talent guy, but he put the, that talent to use. And he allowed God to work through him. You don't have to be the one that everyone looks to and says, oh, there's potential. God has already seen the potential and he's entrusted it in you. How will you use it for him? How will you use it for him? I believe God is doing some amazing things in the world today. I think he's going to turn things upside down. We are going to see his name proclaimed in places that we never have heard of it being proclaimed before. And people are going to be responding in powerful ways. It's not just me, but our, our fellowship is actually, my leadership has asked us uh, at the leading of the Holy Spirit to take a season away from Indonesia. Not really away from, but not just focused on Indonesia. They've asked us to lead a, a program called the Antioch Initiative. It's a partnership between four of our world regions. They've ex asked us to expand what we've been doing, because the things in Indonesia are actually going really well. They're doing it now. It's what we want to see. And they've asked us to step back and to help other areas see the same kind of things happening. So we're going to be working in, still in Indonesia, Asia-Pacific, but also in Eurasia, Middle East, Africa, and Northern Asia. Because God is doing something, and he's going to see his prophecy fulfilled. It's coming soon. And we're not called to be observers, but he's called us all to be disciples. Can I ask you to stand with me? I'm just going to pray a little prayer and ask Pastor Steve to, to come and he can close out the service. But I want to pray for you, if that's okay. I believe that God specifically called me to be more vulnerable this morning because God has something in store for this church. This is not my normal, my normal mission, missions message. This is not what I say every single week. But I believe God has something for you, and he wants to challenge you because he wants to do something profound in Grays Harbor. And he wants to use you to do it. He wants to see this community touching the world. And he wants you to use you to do it. So, Father, this morning, I pray right now that you would help each one of us in our moment of insecurity, in our moment where we feel insignificant, Lord. I pray that you will help us to see the treasure that you've invested in us is greater than our insecurities. It is greater than our inabilities because through you, all things are possible. Father, I pray that today, I don't know who you're speaking to, but Lord, I believe that you're speaking several people, many people this morning and you're encouraging and you're asking them to step out in profound ways, ways that seem so huge but in reality don't take a lot of change Lord help us to be brave
Help us to depend on you. Help us to be so saturated with your presence and in the word that it just leaks out. But Lord, help us to use our actions, our words, and our time, talents, and treasures for your glory and to increase your kingdom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan, for coming. I'm going to invite you that as we prepare to dismiss, but again, we're going to receive our offering. Um, but the most important thing is that you and I are the offering to the Lord. And I know there is a challenge going forth this morning that there's many in here that you may feel like the one talent or the two talent, but God wants to use you and take your eyes off yourself and to say, thank you, Jesus, for entrusting me with this treasure that you've given to me. God is going to do something amazing. If you feel a tug in your heart that this message has somehow spoken to you, I just ask you to be honest and raise your hand. Say, you know what? I may feel like that one or two talent person this morning, Jesus. I'm going to offer myself to you because your treasure is greater than my weakness or my deficiencies. Lord, we thank you so much for Jonathan Winter, for his wife, for the work that you're doing through them. Lord, we thank you, and we just pray for blessing to continue to rest upon them and their family. And Lord, I pray that the message that he has spoken, Lord, and deposited into our hearts, Lord, let it bear fruit. Lord, you have called us to make disciples. You have called us for impact. Lord, I pray that we would take that step, Lord, to utilize what you've given to us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need Jesus this morning, we would love to pray for you. You're welcome to come up front here at the end, and we would love to lead you to Jesus. If you uh, would like to support the work of missions, please designate it on the uh, envelope in the front of your seat, and 